everyone. Today we'll talk about health psychology and we'll be covering the topic pain. What is pain? The International Association for the Study of Pain describes pain as an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with actual or potential tissue damage or described in terms of such damage. Pain is a sensation of the body and is always an unpleasant emotional experience. The perception of pain is different for each person so each person's reaction to pain will vary. All sensory information, including pain, begins with sense receptors on or near the surface of the body. These receptors change physical energy such as light, sound, heat and pressure into neural impulses. We can feel pain through any of our senses, but most of what we think of as pain originates as stimulation to the skin and muscles. Acute pain and chronic pain. Acute pain is defined as pain that lasts for six months or less. It usually has a definable cause and is mostly treated with painkillers. A broken leg or a surgical wound is an, example, is an example of acute pain. In contrast, chronic pain lasts for longer than six months and can be either benign. In that, it varies in, in severity or progressive. In that, it gets gradually worse. Chronic low back pain is often described as chronic benign pain, whereas illnesses such as rheumatoid arthritis result in chronic progressive pain. Let's talk about nature and significance of pain. On the surface, the significance of pain would seem to be obvious. Pain hurts and it can be so insistent that it overwhelms other basic needs. But the significance of pain goes far beyond the disruptions it produces. Pain seems to have an obvious function. For example, it provides low-level feedback. It provides constant feedback about the body and its functioning, enabling us to make an adjustment to how we sit or sleep. Warning. Pain is often a warning sign that something is wrong and results in protective behavior, such as avoiding moving in a particular way or lifting heavy objects. Medical consequences. Pain also triggers help-seeking behavior. It is a symptom most likely to lead a person to seek treatment and visit their doctor. It can complicate illness and hamper recovery from medical procedures. Matt Gurry et al. 2006 Complaints of pain often accompany with mental and physical disorders. And So the pain might occur with medical or physical disorders and, is co and this comorbidity further complicates diagnosis and treatment. Barna et al. 2010 Psychological Consequences Pain also has psychological consequences and can generate fear and anxiety. For example, depression, anxiety and anger worsen the experience of pain. Barna et al. 2010 When patients are asked what they fear most about illness and its treatment, the common response is pain, the dread of not being able to reduce one's own suffering arouse, more anxiety than the prospect of surgery, the loss of limb or even death. From an evolutionary perspective, therefore, pain is a sign that action is needed, its function to generate change either in the form of seeking help or avoiding activity. However, pain is not that simple. Some pain seems to have so have no underlying cause and functions to hinder rather than to help a person carry on with their lives. Such pain has a strong psychological component. 
let's talk about theories of pain earlier model of pain were based on the psychological physiological factors aristotle and plato saw pain and pleasure not as sensation but as emotion passions of the soul alternatively hippocrates believed that pain was caused by an imbalance in the vital fluids of a human gait control theory melzack and wall 1965 developed the gait control theory of pain that is also known as gct which represented an attempt to introduce psychology into the understanding of pain it suggested that although pain could still be understood in terms of stimulus response pathway this pathway was complex and mediated by a network of interacting progress therefore the gct gate control theory integrated psychology into the traditional biomedical model of pain and not only described the role of physiological causes and interventions but also allowed for psychological causes and interventions input to the gate melzack and wall suggested that a gate existed at the spinal cord level which received input from the following sources first peripheral nerve fibers the site of injury example the hand sends information about pain pressure or heat to the gate which is located at the spinal cord level descending central influences from the brain the brain sends information related to the psychological state of the individual to the gate this may reflect the individual's behavioral state example attention focus on the source of the pain emotional state example anxiety fear depression and previous experience or self efficacy example i have experienced this pain before and know that it will go away in terms of dealing with the pain large and small fibers these fibers constitute part of the psychological input to pain perception output from the gate the gate integrates all the information from these different sources and produce an output what are the sources peripheral nerve fibers descending central influences from the brain and large and small fibers this output from the gate sends information to an action system which results in the perception of the pain and then we understand the pain so from brain there is expectations experience mood behavior recorded and then large fibers and small fibers are attached to the gate and physiological stimuli also goes to the gate and all these things le- leads to the action system that is perception of the pain how does the gct differ from earlier model of pain the gct differs from previous or earlier model in number of fundamental ways pain as a perception according to the gct gate control theory pain is a perception and an experience rather than a sensation this change in terminology reflects that the role of the individual in the degree of pain experienced in the same way that psychologists regard vision as a perception rather than a direct mirror image pain is described as involving an active interpretation of the painful stimuli the individual is active not passive according to the gct pain is determined by central and peripheral fibers pain is seen as an active process as opposed to a passive passive one the individual no longer just respond passively to painful stimuli but actively interprets and appraises painful stimuli the role of individual variability individual variability is no longer a problem in understanding pain but central to the gct 
variation in pain perception is understood in terms of the degree of opening or closing of the gate. Role of multiple causes. The GCT suggests that many factors are involved in pain perception, not just a singular physical cause. Is pain ever organic? The GCT describes most pain as a combination of physical and psychological. It could therefore be argued that within this model, pain is never totally either organic or psychogenic. Pain and dualism. The GCT attempts to depart from traditional dualistic model of the body and suggests an interaction between the mind and body. So, the factors or defining principles of GCT gate control theory of pain is they consider pain as the perception, the individual has an active role and not passive, the individual plays a role in variability and in interpretation of the stimuli based on opening and closing of the gate and the role for multiple causes, not just singular physical cause but also perception, past experience of the pain also defines the causes of the pain. Pain ever organic or psychogenic and the dualism, pain and dualism, they suggest there is a difference or say a link between mind and body and these are interrelated. Now let's have a look at the problems with the gate control theory. The GCT represented an important advancement on previous stimulus response theories of pain. It introduced a role of psychology and described the multidimensional process rather than a simple linear model. However, there are several problems with the theory. Although there is plenty of evidence illustrating the mechanism to increase and decrease pain perception, no one has yet actually located the gate itself. Although the input from the side of physical injury is mediated, and moderated by experience and other psychological factors. The model still assumes an organic basis for pain. This integration of physiological and psychological factor can explain individual variability and phantom limb pain to an extent. But because the model still assumes that organic basis, it is still based on the simple stimulus response process. The GCT attempted to depart from traditional dualistic model of health by its integration of mind and body. However, although the GCT suggests some integration or interaction between mind and body, it still sees them as separate process. The model suggests that physical processes are influenced by the psychological process, but that these two sets of processes are distinct. Biofeedback When you raise your hand to wave hello to a friend or lift your knee to take another step on the stair master, you control these actions or say voluntarily direct. Other body functions like heart rate, skin temperature and blood pressure are controlled involuntarily by your nervous system. You don't think about making your heart beat faster. It just happens in response to your environment like when you are nervous, excited or exercising. One technique can help you gain more control over these normally involuntary functions. It is called biofeedback. Biofeedback involves providing biophysiological feedback to a patient about some bodily processes which the patient is usually unaware. Bio means body and feedback means having information fed back to the patient. Thus, biofeedback is the use of electronic instruments to mirror psychophysiological processes that an individual is not normally aware of but may be able to bring under voluntary control. The idea behind 
biofeedback is that by harnessing the power of your mind and becoming aware of what's going on inside your body, you can gain more control over your health. Biofeedback has been used to treat a variety of health problems, including stress and hypertension. It has also been used as a pain control technique. Biofeedback procedures produces relaxation so that we become aware of the problems inside our body. Biofeedback process. Biofeedback training can be thought of as an operant of learning process. First, the target function to be brought under control, such as blood pressure or heart rate, is identified. Second, this function is then tracked by a machine which provides information to the patient. For example, heart rate might be converted into a tone. So, the patient can hear how quickly or slowly his or her heart is beating. Third, the patient then attempts to change the body reprocessor. Through trial and error and continuous feedback from the machine, the patient learns what thoughts or behaviors will modify the bodily functions. Thus, for example, a patient might learn the blocking out all sounds, concentrating and breathing slowly help reduce heart rate. Although it is not always clear to the patient exactly what he or she is doing that achieves success, the patient may still become proficient at controlling their bodily functions. Biofeedback has been used to treat a number of chronic disorders including headaches, Herman and Blanchard, 2002, Ryan Reynolds disease, a disorder in which the small arteries in the extremities constrict limiting blood flow and producing a cold numb aching, Tempro, temporomandibular joint pain, glarus and bruton, hypertension and pelvic pain, Clemens et al. 2000. How does biofeedback therapy works? Researchers aren't exactly sure how or why biofeedback works. They do that know that biofeedback promotes relaxation which can help relieve a number of conditions that are related to stress. During a biofeedback session, electrodes are attached to your skin. Finger sensors can also be used. These electrodes sensors send signal to a monitor which displays a sound flash of light or image that represents your heart and breathing rate, blood pressure, skin temperature, sweating or muscle activity. When you are under stress, these functions change. Your heart rate speeds up, your muscles tighten, your blood pressure rises, your, you start to sweat and your breathing quickens. You can see these stress responses as they happen on the monitor and then get immediate feedback as you try to stop them. Biofeedback sessions are typically done in a therapist's office but there are computer programs that connect the biofeedback sensor to your own computer. A biofeedback therapist helps you practice relaxation exercise which you fine-tune to control different body functions. For example, you might use a relaxation technique to turn down the brain waves that activate when you have a headache. Biofeedback relaxation techniques. Several different relaxation exercises are used in biofeedback therapy including deep breathing. The therapist may guide you through simple breathing exercises. These typically involve slowing your breathing. You may be asked to de take deep breaths in and slow breaths out. These encourages a state of relaxation and calm. Progressive muscle relaxation. Alternative alternately tightening and then relaxing different muscles groups this technique involves slowing 
tensing and then releasing each muscle group individually. Starting with the muscles in the toes and finishing with those in head. Guided imagery. Therapist may ask you to imagine specific scenarios which help you and your body and mind to relax or concentrate on specific images such as the cool color and texture of an orange to focus your mind and make you feel more relaxed. Mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness meditation has roots in ancient Buddhist practice, Bodhi 2011, but has been updated, adapted as a modern stress reduction practice in mindfulness meditation. People usually sit in a relaxing, upright posture and focus on any thought or sensation as they occur, trying to enhance their own awareness of their perception and thought process in a non-judgmental way. Kabat-Zinn, 1993. If unpleasant thoughts or sensation occur, mediators, meditators are encouraged not to ignore them, but to let them pass and to concentrate on the breath by nothing thoughts objectively. Without censoring or editing them, people can gain insight into how they see the world and what motivates them. Types of biofeedback, thermal biofeedback which may also be used to help people cope with stress and pain is based on principle that skin temperature varies in relation to level of stress stress tends to constrict blood vessels whereas relaxation opens them therefore cool surface skin temperature may indicate stress and tension warm skin temperature suggests calm and relaxation Thermal biofeedback involves placing a thermal thermistor, a temperature-sensitive resistor, on the skin's surface. The thermistor signals change in skin temperature, thereby furnishing the information that allows control. The feedback signal may be auditory, visual, or both. So, in thermal biofeedback, the principle is that skin temperature varies in relation to the level of stress. Stress tends to constrict blood vessels, whereas relaxations open them. Therefore. Cool surface skin temperature may indicate stress and tension, whereas warm skin temperature suggests calm and relaxation. The photoplethysmograph or heart rate variability HRV monitor. Photoplethysmograph. It involves taping onto the index finger a probe that detects the flushing of the skin that occurs with each cardiac contraction. It may be used for anxiety, asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and irregular heartbeat, COPD. Patients at times will have a sensor placed around their abdomen and pneumograph, which measures breath rate, rhythm, volume and location. Electromyograph, EMG biofeedback reflects the activity of the skeleton muscles by measuring the electrical discharge in muscle fibers. The measurement is taken by attaching electrodes to the surface of the skin over the muscle to be monitored. The level of electrical activity reflects the degree of tension or relaxation of the muscles. The mechanism is based on the machine responses with a signal that varies according to the muscle activity. Biofeedback can be used to increase muscle tension in re rehabilitation or to decrease muscle tension in stress management. The most common use of EMG Electromyograph biofeedback is in the control of low back pain and headache. However, electromyograph biofeedback is becoming more widely recognized as useful in rehabilitation. 
Another sensor, an electrodermograph, can be placed on the palmar surface of the fingers to measure sweat glands activity. The electroencephalograph, which measures electrical activity in the brain using sensors on a skull cap, is used in neurofeedback. The most complicated form of biofeedback. It may be used for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, that is ADHD, epilepsy, and other seizure disorders. The biofeedback therapist also gets the patient to do physical exercise, like yoga or meditation. It takes place in clinical setting. A typical biofeedback session lasts between 60 and 90 minutes. The number of sessions needed to resolve an issue will vary depending on the number of factors, including how quickly you learn to control your physical responses. Usually, you can start to see biofeedback benefits within 10 sessions or less. Some conditions such as high blood pressure can take more sessions to include. So, today we discussed about the pain, its theories and some biofeedback and relaxation techniques and biofeedback uh, techniques. So in next uh, session, we'll be discussing about the meaning of relaxations and the techniques. Goodbye. Thank you for listening.